what are the jobs that people are trying to do? Like, what are the jobs to be done that my product does? And so when you start from there and you just write out a list of here's what my product does really well. But if you start just plugging those phrases that you have into um, Google, you'll then see like, oh, here's some keywords I didn't think of. Here's some keywords that these posts match. And I think it's a really helpful way to decide on like what your themes are uh, based off of that. You're listening to Content Logistics, a podcast for B2B marketers looking to build a content engine that drives revenue. In each episode, Camille Trent interviews the marketers behind the best content marketing flywheels and uncovers the tactical aspects of content production from first draft to first customer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Content Logistics. I'm your host, Camille Trent, and I'm the head of content over at Dooley. This episode is brought to you by my good friends, Tristan and Justin. They own Motion, which is an agency that helps busy B2B tech marketers launch podcasts like we're doing right now. So if you're wanting to launch a podcast like this, and you also want someone to help you with the promotional assets, videos, quotes, all of that, they do it really well. If you've seen my feed, seen any of my promotions for this uh, podcast, which is probably why you're here, you're going to want to check them out. Today, our guest is Josh Spilker. He's the head of marketing at Friday. And so today, I wanted to bring him on to walk through the logistics of launching an SEO program for early stage startups. If you'd like to figure out how to grow your acquisition, your signups by 300% in five months, Josh is your guy. And uh, that's what we get into right now. Okay, so a lot of uh, a lot of content advice in the SaaS world and just everywhere is not super helpful. Like it's not super helpful if you're starting from ground zero and if it's not aimed at your specific startup, at your specific stage, at your specific capabilities, the skills of your team, because basically zero to one is a lot harder than one to two. And so a lot of content advice is about optimizing and about, you know, adding new programs, like getting on TikTok, getting on LinkedIn, doing all this stuff. But if you don't have anything to start, like where do you start? So Josh from from Friday took an interesting approach where he set this content strategy for, for Friday based on based on just past experiences of what worked and spoiler alert it did pay off they grew 300 percent in five months so pretty impressive really excited to have you on josh what mistakes are you seeing content teams get wrong when they're trying to go from zero to one in a seed stage company yeah sure so when i'm thinking about seed stage i think a lot of people start a little too high in the funnel and they start with kind of like this attraction or awareness type pieces but when you're in a seed stage you really have to think about conversions and what that looks like because you're you want to get market product market fit as as quick as possible and so for that to happen you need users you need conversions you need people like really trying out your product and so kind of the way that so that's definitely one of the mistakes that that i see people thinking about is that content marketing for search only equals kind of that top of the funnel. And so instead, I like to start more at the bottom and in the middle of the funnel. Nice. Okay. So like, how did you land on that? Like why, why the, why middle of funnel? Yeah. I think the middle really provides you enough volume from search, but also has enough like proof points to, to get conversions going. And so at least the way I approach middle of funnel is usually from like two angles, either kind of these like list alternative kind of comparisons. And another good way to try it is is through templates and things like that to give people something really actionable to use. And so my approach of Friday was to use list and kind of these comparison type pieces. And in our industry that had enough uh, volume 
to rank pretty well, but then it had enough um, people coming through to to convert. So then we were able to really see, uh, you know, if the product was interesting and, and how people were kind of sticking around and, and using it. I, th- I think that's super smart because we tend to just want to start at the beginning, right? Like start start a series at the first episode, right? And it feels like that with marketing too, of like, we have to start at the top because that's just where you start, right? Is we assume that like there's there's zero awareness, like there's, we have to we have to start at the beginning to be able to get them all the way through the funnel. But in reality, people are at different stages in their journey. And then I think a smart thing that you mentioned is it's really hard to, if you're, if you're just creating top of funnel content and like getting that foundation set it's really hard to just know even if it's going to work and so i think something smart that you've done is okay if we start kind of at this middle funnel we're able to again like you said like bring in enough traffic like have enough of a sample size but then also just like track it all the way to conversions because those middle of funnel pieces are just more likely to convert than a top of funnel and so you're able to just like see if the strategy is going to work before you invest too much time in it. And was that, was that kind of the thought process? Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's really frustrating for, for a content marketer focused on search to like commission a bunch of like top funnel pieces you pay, you know, 400 to 800 to, you know, maybe a thousand dollars in some cases to, to commission these pieces. And then you don't really see any action or don't see any conversions. And so I think a lot of seed stage especially have to be concerned with their budget, have to look at what the revenue is, have to look at, you know, how much funding they have before making those big bets. And I mean, I've definitely made those mistakes before where I had a couple pieces where I thought like, hey, this will really, you know, be great for for our product, help us get a toehold here, but they weren't really leading to conversions. And so it's it's really, I would say then, to take those resources that you do have, invest it more in the middle and in the bottom to start getting some results a little bit faster. Nice. Okay, so I want to level set for the audience of everyone has a different definition of top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom of funnel, sure. right? And so we're not going to land probably on, on the exact definition because it doesn't exist. But kind of how do you think through the funnel and like what does a top of funnel piece look like? versus a bottom of funnel. And I think you gave some examples from middle funnel of comparison pages and lists. And so maybe describe those a little bit more and and talk through the funnel and how you think about it. I think of top of funnel as like pieces that meet your ICP or or persona, but doesn't necessarily like answer their like burning question. So it's kind of like problem aware, I guess is kind of the best way to, to put it. And so a lot of times that is just you know, identifying like evergreen, how to, what is, you know, tips for improving, like those are some of the the classic ones. And so it's making your persona aware of of a certain problem. And, And a lot of times they might not even know they have a problem, right? And so that's kind of what your piece is hoping to get to. Whereas middle funnel, you know, we, we kind of, I think of it more as solution aware to where like, hey, I know I need a product to fix this problem. Where can I get it? Or, or what are some products and options for that? And so that's where I really think like these kind of lists and comparison posts really work well is because then you can kind of line up the products, line up the services or solutions. Hopefully yours could be included in there. Hopefully there is some touch point there. Otherwise, why would you be doing it, right? But you can put your product in that lineup, have somebody compare the features, pricing, all those different things, and kind of, you know, angle your product to show why it's the best fit for certain, 
for certain issues. I don't always, I describe like some of the key features that match that, that keyword in search intent, but I don't necessarily have like a comprehensive feature list on that. You know, I, I'll link out to some of our product pages for those things, but I'm think so that's the general approach is you have like a list that kind of compares all those together. And then within that, depending on the keyword and the search intent, I'll kind of shape what features I call out to that keyword search intent. Okay, cool. So to, to kind of like break this down, because now I'm seeing like two really strong reasons for middle of funnel. The first one that you outlined was kind of this growth framework of experimentation where you're able to to test like in the middle because you're able to get enough sample size, you're able to see if they convert. It's just a good like testing ground, like if you're in SEO to to get insights and results fast to make decisions and make the next the next smart decision. You use middle of funnel content to basically test test your theories, get information fast, like make the next the next best decision. Um, so, so that makes a lot of sense to me. So tell me about your aha moment with this though. When did you start approaching the funnel this way? And then why do you continue to start in the middle? Do you ever doubt it and like go back to top of funnel or go, go to bottom of funnel? How did you originally get to this? Sure. Uh, I worked at a couple other like productivity focused companies. One was called WorkZone and one was called ClickUp. And now I'm at, at Friday, which is a little bit different, even though we kind of have some similar things and some overlap. But anyway, I started um, researching these like kind of list approach and, and alternatives at those two places and just realized that for at least some of these productivity industries I was in, people are already aware of a lot of the solutions, but they were frustrated for, for whatever reasons. And so they're already like problem aware. They know they need in WorkZone and ClickUp's case, like task management software. And now in Friday's case, they know they, they're looking for like kind of a planner to-do list type, type situation. So they're already problem aware. They have some solutions in mind, but they want something different. And so they'll start researching kind of these alternatives and, and some other options. And so the keywords were branded, but also just kind of like non-branded as well, like project management software, things like that. So when I was running these branded kind of alternatives, say alternative to Microsoft project or alternatives to Trello at WorkZone, we really just saw a lot more interest and a lot more inquiries into our product. At that level, we were you know, doing MQLs and, and demos and such like that. So all of our demo requests and, and MQLs started, started increasing when we did these type of projects. And then at ClickUp, I've moved over to ClickUp and we had a little bit different model or freemium, whereas WorkZone wasn't that. But I, I ran a post called Free Project Management Software and it had ClickUp number one and then all these other different options under there. And we just kind of exploded. We went up high on the rankings. We formatted it well to where people were staying on the page. They were interested. And so we eventually got to number one on Google and that post drove like a lot of our early signups at ClickUp, which is which is now a, a, a billion dollar unicorn. And so when I came over to Friday, like I said, it was a little bit different, but I knew like these type of posts have a lot of interest can can like prove what we were talking about, has a good sample size, can prove the product market fit, and then also have a lot of good search volume too. So it's kind of like a, a holy grail, a little bit of, of search content marketing is where you have a piece that generates a lot of interest, has a lot of volume, but then also has a lot of conversions to it. And so I was I was thought this would work at Friday because it had worked in some of the other places I'd been at. And so I started rolling out a few of these pieces and it's definitely driven driven a lot of our growth at the mid funnel. So yeah, that's kind of how I, I came up with that proof of concept there. I mean, it's not groundbreaking. A lot of other people have done it in different industries, but that's just kind of how I've tailored it to 
to my companies and industries I've worked in. Perfect. Okay. So the, the recap then for middle of funnel content, the case for middle of funnel content is allows you to test and learn fast um, and then make decisions based off those learnings. It also lets you kind of cover your bases. So for instance, because you're you're targeting sort of more high intent, like the farther you get in the, the, the funnel, the, the, the higher the intent, you're able to kind of buy more time. And I think that's something content marketers and brand marketers don't always think about because we we know something like, you know, a podcast is going to work or something like fun and like brand focused is going to like get that engagement and it's going to be a good long-term investment, but sure. it's not it's not performance marketing. And at the beginning, you need some, some high intent, like capture at the beginning. So, and that's kind of what you're doing is like, there's, you know, what people are already searching for a solution to these problems or are already problem aware, like you mentioned, and maybe even product aware. And so you're making these comparison pages for those product aware people. You're right. making these, you know, lists like for these problem aware people. And you're just making sure that you are covering your bases there where you're capturing intent, like where people are already really close to raising their hand so that you can like have that runway to kind of like build out more of like that top of funnel and like widen, widen the funnel a little bit. Yeah. But if the, the, the challenge I think uh, with, with content marketers when they don't do this is they are not around long enough, like to, to have like those, those bigger programs. Right. And, and right. They, they've kind of like forgotten to cover the bases. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Because so, you, have, yeah. you have to realize like what season you're in as a content marketer and like kind of what stage your company is in. And so, yes, like brand awareness is important. Top of the funnel is important. But to me, when you're at a seat stage, at least with, with SEO and content marketing is like, you can't really waste all of your time on those things. Cause you're again, trying to prove yourself. And so as you get, as you gain some wins, as you um, start to show that product market fit, you can start to build up the top of the funnel and do more like brand awareness and type things and things that you don't expect to convert. That's one thing I talk about, you know, semi-regularly, I guess, is like each piece has a job and you should have certain expectations on what that piece is. And so if I'm creating top of the funnel type fun things, like you mentioned, like I just did a post on like memes and stuff. Um, I'm not expecting conversions off of that. I'm expecting people just to learn more about our product, like kind of like a billboard or something. And so I adjust my expectations for those things. And I think that's a really important mindset is like, hey, what is the job I'm expecting this post to do? And then don't give it the wrong job. So don't expect conversions off of off the top of funnel pieces. That's not the job that it's meant to do. Yeah. And also, so I, I love what you said about the season, like understand like the season that you're in, like both in your role and then the company. So if the company needs to hit a certain number of conversions or signups, which I think is is your North Star with with conversions and then also pay, paying customers, right? But if you are giving a lot of jobs like to this awareness stage, right? Like you have a lot, you're, you're allocating like these, these jobs there. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, like, there's, there's nothing that is going to get us there. You know, like I haven't assigned any job like to make sure those conversions happen. And so just assigning those jobs to begin with gives you this like overview of what still needs to be done, right? And so right. if you know you need to, to front load, okay, like we need more conversion copy, like our conversion pieces at the beginning to again, like cover our bases, give us the runway to 
to do these other content projects and to have like that balance, that's probably a better bet for a lot of early stage startups, right? Whereas if you are an enterprise company and you you already have that steady stream of signups and like of um, customers, like you have like you have revenue to work with at that point, then maybe like what they need is more of this like awareness and like continuous brand brand marketing. And so yeah. really understanding like what's needed at your stage and allocating, I think was like a really small, smart call out from you. Yeah, I, I think it's really important to think about like how you're kind of laying your track and how you're building and, and really you need to build that destination and you know that's products and, and your service obviously, but then like start just laying out those small pieces of track like from there. So yeah, that's that's kind of the way I think about it. Perfect. Okay, so so testing, covering your bases or, or covering like the, the high intent. And then I think also owning the conversation. So you mentioned having these comparison pieces on your own site. So you're talking, sometimes people shy away from talking about competitors, but I think if you have it on your own site and you're really able to say, here are all of our, our benefits and you position it like in such a way where it's fair, but but you're owning the conversation. I can see how, how that might work well. And then also that product market fit. So those are kind of like the four proof points, I think like four starting with middle of funnel that I would just like kind of call out for, for listeners who might be on the fence about this, this strategy. Yeah, I think that in the conversation piece is important, right? Because they're going to be doing that research anyway. And so that's a really good point is like, you might as well keep them on your site as, as long as possible. Okay. Now that listeners have like a pretty good reason for, for starting in the middle of funnel, I just wanted to, to address like who, who really needs this. So, so again, like we talked about, like this is first a seed stage startup, but are there any other kind of like qualifiers for, I mean, SEO specifically, and then yeah, starting with middle of funnel in in SEO, like who who is this a good strategy for? Yeah, I, I think it's um, important for people to kind of think about their expectations with with this. I've seen this work really well for like freemium to like under a hundred dollars a month, maybe like if you have like a subscription type type business. If you're trying, like I worked at a healthcare company once where we had like a million dollar deals that we were trying to close from like fifty different customers across the U.S. and like this strategy probably won't really work for them. I mean, that's a lot more like sales and driven account-based marketing type type approach. So if you kind of have this more like SaaS or, or service business there where people are like willing to try for, for a pretty reasonable cost, then, then I would say that's a good approach to think about and that the strategy could work for you. Otherwise, at the enterprise level, you may start to like kind of price yourself out. I do think this could work for e-commerce and, and products. You know, a lot of like affiliate sites and things are, are built off of this too. So if that's your niche, like definitely kind of think about this. The issue there is you just may have like too many options to, to cover. And I'm not really experienced in e-commerce, so I can't talk to all of that. But generally that's where I kind of stake this out is like SaaS slash service businesses, maybe like with a lower subscription price point. Gotcha. Okay. So seed stage startup, freemium type model, especially SaaS, but it could work for services. And then I think the, the the last thing was um, if if you're a category creator or if you are like a, an existing service, like this is a question that I had because obviously you have to if you're on search, like you have to be look, knowing what you're looking for. You have to like start with some sort of like keyword. And so if somebody has more of like a, a category product, would this solution work for them? 
Yeah, I mean, if you're building a new category, you're going to have some overlapping features from existing products. I mean, generally speaking, like you're going to tweak something that people have been like using in the past. So if you are um, Airtable, like building spreadsheets, like in a different way, you're building tables or something, you can do like Excel alternatives or something like that. So what I think about for this is my list doesn't have to fit perfectly to every single like feature that I have, but you can start to like peel off features that you solve for that people are used to and already know about, especially in that kind of like problem aware stage, and then show how you do have those features, you do meet that need, and then you have all this extra stuff too that kind of makes you a category creator. I mean, at least that's generally how, how I think about it is, is you have a category you're trying to establish a new category to solve some type of problem. So if people are frustrated with that problem, you can still create solutions and lists around that issue. Yeah, I think that speaks to the point of product market fit, right? If, if you have a good product, you should be solving a problem. And if you're solving a problem, people are probably asking questions about how to solve that problem. So that could be one way to think about it. Another way that I think about it is like our, our product is pretty unique in that it hadn't Something that, that, that we do with, with updating Salesforce, making that automatic, but then all of these other sales enablement features, all of those things combined is pretty unique. But like you said, like some of the specific problems that it solves, people might be searching for. So it could be as simple as like updating, how to update Salesforce, right? And they might be expecting it to be a Salesforce article that tells them how to just use that product better. When, when really like we're thinking that the, the solution is, is our product, right? Is like this, this way of not having to ever log into to Salesforce, but um, still accomplishing the thing that they want accomplished in probably a better way than they were expecting. And so, so thinking about it in terms of just like problem solution and maybe not as like nitty gritty as features if you are kind of more of a category creator. Is that my understanding, that right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that features point is really important. Is like your brand team or your brand marketer may not like that you are focused on just sales enablement features because you do all these other things. But for this purpose of this list and this post, that's how you're getting in front of people for this. And then you can kind of uh, guide them over to maybe some other brand awareness or bottom funnel type pages to show like all the other things that you do. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of a a trade-off a little bit is like your brand is not going to be represented like purely in the way that you want it to be here because you're you're more than sales enablement right you're more than this you're trying to break out of that but you also have to think about like what are people actually use searching for what are users looking for and and so you kind of have to meet in the middle on those things at least at least that's my perspective yeah no that makes a lot of sense so again like going back to to who is this for i think it's it's also for people who are like have alignment like with leadership and then also with the product marketer on how they want to talk about the product because that could be yeah. something that, that holds people back from this is if you if you really are creating a new category and you're talking about it a specific way and people are not searching for things that way and you you don't want to negotiate on that then maybe like this just isn't like the right strategy for you and so that's something yeah. to, to consider as well there's different ways to grow and different ways to market but understanding how which which option makes the most sense for your company is, is a smart place to smart start. So I just I'll add that for for people who are kind of in that in that boat. But so next thing is prioritization. You said like starting in the middle of the funnel, that's great. But there's still a lot of options in the middle of the funnel, right? And so you've mentioned listicles, you've mentioned comparison pieces. How do you 
narrow down where you're going to start in the middle of the funnel? I mean, that's a really great question. You have to think about kind of like your users and your industry and kind of what's already happening there as far as like what's getting some some traction. So yeah, definitely search for some of these terms and just kind of see what what the search results are, are coming up with and think about how people are, are making buying decisions. The middle funnel for you may be like Captera or, or G2 Crowd or, or something like that to where you're putting your resources on that because that's like a better comparison page. That's like a better situation for, for your company. And so, yeah, I mean, but generally speaking, like I do list, I do some of these comparison pages. I think templates are really helpful. Any type of like HubSpot was really famous for doing like this website grader type thing like back 15 years ago or something. And I'm, I'm constantly trying to think about that. Is like there a quiz? Is there some other way I can like assess like their current state and then provide my solution? And, and I think that is really a middle funnel play because they are looking for, they're problem aware, they're probably comparing solutions. You can kind of guide them to that. Buying guides may be another way to go is, is a play that, that I've done before. So so there's a couple different options for that mid funnel, but you're, you're just trying to like move people from that problem aware to, to that solution aware. Mm, yeah, you've given listeners, I think, some good ideas because I think most people are like, what type of a blog should I do? Like, should it be a list right. or, or should it be... Uh, an editorial type piece, but you're throwing out, yeah, things like buying guides, things like quizzes, things like just growth experiments in general, like uh, graders. And so I think realizing that those things are still content marketing is important to people. Like you can, you can get that far out of the box and that's still, that's still content. And it might just be even more of what the user wants than, than the blog. So, so getting outside maybe your comfort zone and, and, really understanding what would be the most ideal type of content for this person like at this this stage and so i right. thought that was that was smart throwing out those those types of things real quick on that though what what kind of resources would you need for that do you do you work with a developer on those types of pieces yeah t- tell me a little bit more of like how how you would stand up projects like that yeah i mean i think having a developer is is becoming even more important in, in content teams. And, and we have a person at Friday, he's, he's technically head of growth. And so he kind of goes back and forth between like product growth, but then also helping me on some like marketing projects. He has like a front end background. And at our stage, he kind of is like a utility infielder of sorts where he can kind of like bounce back and forth. And so he's helping me like think through like what is the lift, the technical lift on some of these things. When I was at TopTal, which is a talent matching service between like developers and, and you know fortune 500 companies and, and small businesses and such we used a lot of quizzes to help qualify people but also to help match them with like kind of the right service that they would need and so people would come to us with like a problem like i need a brochure designed i need a website designed and so then we would walk them through like what's your budget what are you looking for and so then we were able to like capture their email address but then we were also able to like qualify them like in the process. And so that's like, you know, maybe a hybrid of, of maybe all parts of the funnel a bit, but I really think of it as like a mid funnel because we got people to our site and then we provided some value about like, Hey, here's about how much your project will cost. Here's like the specs that you need. Here's some things that you need to get ready before you can actually hand off this project. And if you're kind of like, small business owner who who just like, oh, I need a new website, I need a new app, I need to like do these API connections, you may not always know the full scope of what you need. And so that was our way of like prepping people 
to be like, hey, here's the here's all the requirements and specs that you need before you can actually hand this off to somebody to get it worked on. And so I think that was really helpful as like a mid funnel touch point for us to qualify people for also, but also for people to qualify themselves. But also remember, in that case, TopTal is like a good resource for them moving forward, whatever stage of their project that they were in. Nice. Yeah. No, I, the thing that you touched on again is, so you started off talking about how each content has like one job, right? But what's kind of cool about this, this middle of funnel play, especially with these growth experiments is that that's going to, I can tell that just qualifying people is going to make your sales department happy. Right. And then uh, there's also kind of like this idea of the, the product qualified lead in there as well. So you're going to make your, like your product team happy. And so really thinking about when, when you're thinking about where to start at an early stage company, thinking about like one, the quick wins, like how can I just improve acquisition or improve revenue? But then also how can I show the other teams, like in the other departments, like how important content is and how important content marketing is. And so with this type of play, you're able to show like the benefit to sales, the benefit to product, the benefit to the bottom line. So that's another just call out for people is when you're first yeah, starting at a company or first thinking about that strategy, like how can you check more boxes without, with, with it still having a specific job in your mind, but it just doing a lot of, a lot more heavy lifting than maybe a top of funnel piece. Yeah. And, and I would say too, to bring it full circle, like these list posts I'm running out, I think accomplish that in a lot of ways, right? Because then you can kind of put your product against another one and show their top features. And if somebody's like, oh, I actually need that feature. You don't have that then they won't sign up for your product. And so then they're already qualified. They're self-qualifying is, is kind of the way I like to say it. They're pulling themselves out of the running because they already know like, oh yeah, I don't have this feature. I'm gonna go to XYZ competitor instead. Or they can say, oh yes, you do have that feature that I've been looking for. I am gonna opt into your product and like try it out. And so I think the, the mid funnel, like kind of list posts and comparisons and, and alternatives are a way of qualifying buyers before they even give you their email address or before they even enter your funnel system. And so that's kind of like another advantage that that I like is you're not, I mean, good marketers know is like your product's not for everybody and it, it just can't be. And so you have to start filtering people out. And so I think one of the ways to do that are, are some of these list posts, but another way, as you mentioned, are, are these quizzes and, and other self-qualifying type ways. Nice, nice. Okay, so that, that brings us into kind of part two of prioritization, which I think is after you do this, and you, you did do this for, for three months, I want to say, so solid like quarter with, I want to say, 50 posts total that you put out. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think the next step in, in kind of thinking about this prioritization would be to work on like the bottom funnel type pieces and to start uh, thinking about where am I sending people to. And a lot of times people are just at least in my experience, are like funneling people to like their homepage or like their pricing page. And one of the things that I really thought through for Friday is like, what does that intent match? What does that message match between like people coming into my mid funnel post? And so what I used to do was just send people like to the homepage or to like the sign up page. But I think there was a little like uh, dissonance there between where people were coming from and, and what they were expecting. So for instance, I have a piece right now about like productivity tools. And so it's like a generic kind of list of all these different type of tools that people can use. One of them is Friday. And so after they arrive on my mid funnel post about productivity tools, I've now set up a bottom funnel landing page to where they go specifically to a productivity planner landing page 
that then shows them like, hey, here's a productivity tool. Here's how you can be more productive, like using Friday. Another post, mid-funnel post I have is about daily planner. Actually, I'll use another example. I have one on goal setting software. And that's one of the capabilities that Friday has as well is it's about setting goals. And so I know if somebody's coming through goal setting, I am actually not going to send them to my Friday productivity planner page. I'm going to send them to a landing page that's focused on how Friday can help them improve their goals and our goal tracking capabilities. And so I have to think about, hey, how are they entering into my funnel and, and where do I want to send them to? And for me, it's really easy to like kind of stand up these landing pages fairly quickly. I mean, I know that's not the case at, at every company, but at least for me right now, it, it is. And so I'm, I'm trying to create these more targeted bottom funnel pages. And I don't really have the thought that they're going to rank or, or perform really well in that way. My, my end goal is to capture from that mid funnel down to that bottom funnel. And that's gonna be most of my traffic. Kind of the bonus to all of this is, is some of my bottom funnel pages actually have been ranking pretty well for, for some good terms. And so I've been able to capture kind of both from that mid funnel track, but also my bottom funnel pages happen to be ranking. And so I'm getting a lot of conversions just, just off of that search as well. I guess that's more of like the long tail search is people are more product aware and solution aware when you have kind of these longer tail keywords. And so my bottom funnel pages are showing up for that too. But to kind of bring it back, another prioritization would be like, yes, the mid funnel, but then think about where you're sending people to. And so I started setting up very specific bottom funnel landing pages. Nice. Okay. So to, to recap a little bit on, on middle funnel pieces, They'll, they'll still convert, you'll, you'll get that from it. But then you're also looking at what page do they visit next? And if it is in line with kind of the journey that you set up, right? Like if you have a call to action for them to check out this more tactical version um, of that content that is like the bottom of funnel piece, if they're actually going to that page and also if they're converting there. Yeah, correct. And I have pretty good conversion rates on my mid funnel. My landing page conversions are not like, you know, SEM or, or paid level type conversions uh, with that much intent, but they're, they're converting at a higher rate than my mid funnel posts are. And what I'm just seeing is like, hey, that's really the chance for us to present ourselves, to talk a little bit more about us. And so the people that click through from my mid funnel page to my bottom funnel page are more engaged, are more interested. So they are more likely to convert anyway. I mean, that's just the general rule for, for hopefully for your, your landing pages. And so um, I'm seeing some good results there. Again, instead of just sending people to my kind of catch all everything homepage that is more branded and talks about all of our features, I'm really trying to think about what is the journey? Where are they coming from? What are they expecting? And so if somebody uh, goes from researching goals, they've never heard of Friday before, they want some goal setting software, I present them with options in my mid funnel to then present them with a bottom funnel goal focused page. I see a lot more conversions that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We'll talk about it a little bit as like the light bulb moment. So like the light bulb moment in your product is different for different people, right? Like, I mean, I know at Julie, like we have four major features, right? And for for different roles specifically, like the the pipeline, like editor, like might be really, really attractive, like to, to an AE, but then a sales enablement person will be like much more likely to be interested in the templates or the playbooks, right? And so thinking about the, again, going back to your like jobs to be done, like the actual jobs to be done, like by that role and by that, that person who, who's on that page, they're kind of like hinting at what they're, what the job is that they're trying to accomplish. 
and being able to give them a better answer by giving them, sending them to a more tactical page, like if they've gone all the way through that current page. Yeah, the light bulb moment idea is really good. I mean, that's a great way to say it is like, it is going to be a little bit different. You don't know people's exact problems. And so how you solve it will be a slightly different for each of your customers. And so presenting it on like the clearest path possible, like kind of no matter how they get there is, is really important to me. And so I think the way you described it as far as like, yes, different feature sets matching the different interests and the different roles is, is really important to consider as you're, as you're building this out. Yeah, because it's so it's so easy, like once you've been in a company and especially if you're on the more of the product side of, of saying like, our, you know, our, our product is so cool because it has all of these things. Like it's it's like this all in one. It does all of these things. And like you think that's the, the light bulb moment for people. But oftentimes, like people are just trying to solve like the one problem. Right. And so like just right. diving deeper into like how you better solve that one problem is a pretty smart way to go. Okay, so moving on to to kind of clusters and topic research, do you think in terms of themes, keywords, like tell me about your your clustering strategy when you're first like when you're first diving into your first piece or first few pieces, how are you approaching that? Yeah, I mean my thinking on this has really shifted over the years. I used to kind of just think on like bigger things like sales or sales enablement or, or something like that. But then I really started thinking about to build up our other conversation as like, what are the jobs that people are trying to do? Like, what are the jobs to be done that my product does? And then just like starting from there. And so when you start from there and you just write out a list of like, here's what my product does really well, you're not going to get the most like searchable, like high volume keywords, which is, which is okay because then you kind of have your bottom funnel there. But if you start just plugging those phrases that you have into um, Google, you'll then start to like build up and see like, oh, here's some keywords I didn't think of. Here's some keywords that these posts match. And I think it's a really helpful way to, to decide on like what your themes are uh, based off of that. So list out what your product does, think about the benefits of that, and then start typing those phrases and words in, into Google or into Ahrefs or SEMrush or, or like whatever you're using and then start to see what themes emerge. Um, and, and to me, that's, again, a really great bottom up approach to, to building up your content strategy. So I've kind of tweaked mine over the years as, as I've thought about that. I'm also right now in the stage of like thinking like what I was describing earlier, like what funnels do I have? what are some of the bigger posts and themes I'm going to try to start to generate to, to lead people down into those. But generally, generally speaking, I, I go with that jobs to be done framework. Tyler Hakes from, from Optimus helped me out with, with thinking through that. He's a great content marketing agency. And so that's really the approach I go with now. Nice. Yeah. I, I love that. Cause I'm thinking about it now in terms of value props. Like if you, if you just like went to, to the value props or your product page and, and thought about it that way of like how different some of those are and how you're trying to maybe like solve all of them in one, you know, like plug them all in one piece or just have like a simple call to action at the end. Like it's probably not going to be as compelling of an argument. You separated them out and you're like, okay, hey, this one is, this one's sales enablement. This one is productivity. Like this one, when you're separating it out that way and you're able to kind of get like those pillar content or pillar, like kind of what like clusters that you're going to like go after. And like the second part of this is, is, is testing, right? Is that I'm sure like you, you've noticed that, um, people are just 
in general, like more interested in maybe like productivity than like note taking. I don't know what it is, but but sure. the, you'll, you'll see like as you compare these, like which ones people are gravitating toward and which ones are converting. Is that is that the case or? No, yeah. I mean, that's really the case. So when I first got on Friday, we had a lot of posts about remote work and that's kind of like a lot of thought leadership that my CEO did and, and just something he was really passionate about even before uh, COVID. And so that was something like our product was kind of built upon. But what I realized was what is not just that we need to write about remote work, but we really need to write about the benefits and value of that and how our product like connects to that. And so one of the things that we do is we kind of have this written um, work routine, we call it, to where you can kind of like do your like daily stand-up or daily meetings like just by text. And so everyone doesn't have to like meet at the same time, for instance. And so I'm just trying to think about the value of that and what that really means. And so then it starts opening up more things than just like remote work. It talks about like how to run meetings more efficiently, how to run meetings asynchronously, how to run meetings with remote work, how to re- run meetings like more productively. And so I could have just got stuck with just like, I need to write about remote work, but I wasn't really thinking about like all of these angles to really fill in that like bottom mid. And then eventually I do have some remote work pieces. I'm like, fully remote companies, remote work statistics, like all of these things. But just going through that jobs to be done, value prop, benefits type exercise with my content really helped me think about the content topics and buckets a little bit more uh, fruitfully and like holistically and tactically. I just threw in like all these big words there rather than just being like, okay, I need to write about remote work. Yeah. And I think for listeners, like remote work might be that might be the top of funnel thing like that you can you can think about but then it's it's a matter of like drilling down okay what do people actually care about and is 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 that productivity and is it like being more productive in a in a remote work environment like like putting yourself in their shoes and figuring out what those problems are now that they're having with remote work and not just remote work in general right Um, right Okay, so so the next part is just like the production piece of this. So yeah, what does it what does it take to to produce fifty pieces of content in in three months? And like I think one like our like, like how how did you get that done? Who who was involved in the process? And maybe what tools did you use? Yeah, I mean I think the way I got it done, like first off, is just have a mindset of like this is what we're doing. Like we are not trying to float social media campaigns. We're not like running a new like email nurturing thing. We're not doing like you know, a lot of paid ads or, or something like that. So like kind of number one, especially like in seed stages, just to be like, this is a channel or kind of ride or die with it. And hopefully you have like proven like practitioners who like know that this will work. And I mean, I guess I kind of stepped into that, right? Is like, I have like years of experience doing this. Like this was not my first time like ever trying to do content marketing. So I think that's like number one is you just have to be like laser focused and have like the right kind of people doing the show. Number two is I kind of served as like a strategist and editor in this. And so I am the only full-time marketing hire, but I had like some interns, I had freelancers who were like helping me. And so we all kind of had a role in that. And so my main role was to like research, do the briefs and like edit send it to my content intern who would either write it or a freelancer who would write it. And then the next part, we also had a designer who was like part-time and freelance also helping out on that. So then it would go there and then we would do the upload process and then I would just like submit it. An important piece of this that is to think about 
is Google was my distribution channel. Like I wasn't trying to get like social media likes and shares off of this. I'm not saying that's bad or a wrong strategy. It was just like if I'm laser focused on increasing my presence in search, then I'm just going to like produce and send it to Google. Like Google doesn't care when you publish. They're not on an editorial calendar. I'm not necessarily sending all of this to my email list. I'm not necessarily sent, pumping all of these out to social but I am pumping it out to Google. And so I was just like laser focused on that as like my distribution channel too. Because I wasn't trying to get traffic in other ways. I just knew like this was what our strategy was for, for traffic and conversions. And so I guess lastly is my CEO like knew this is what I was doing. <laughs> and he was like behind it, you know, 100%. And so we made that clear from the start of the quarter is like, this was like our big push. I'm going to do like 50 posts. It ended up taking me, I think, 60 days. Thought it would take me the whole quarter, but we're able to get that out. And, and that includes, we did a few videos that includes the mid-funnel post. Most of them were mid-funnel and then a lot of like bottom funnel type product pages. So I kind of put all of those in, into the content bucket. So in all fairness, I wasn't churning out like 55,000 word guides on all of this. I mean, we had kind of a plan of met the goals of, of what I've been talking about this whole time was hey, here's what our strategy is, mid funnel to bottom funnel, and then we're gonna fill in the top funnel. And most of my push for 50 was mid funnel and, and bottom funnel post. Nice, okay, so what you need, what you really need to get this done is buy-in, right? Like you, you need the executive buy-in, you need everyone being on the same page. And then after that, you need you need talent. And so um, so in your case, like you're a senior content person, you, you like you said, you've done this at similar stage companies and for similar type products, right? And so really having like that that match like in the hiring process, I think is important. I don't wanna like gloss over that because just having the talent in place, I think is is important. Um, so having those those things and then, yeah, just deciding like what other resources you need. In this case, uh, designer, you, you were the editor, but writers as well. Sure. And then setting up that process, right, of like, you're gonna you're gonna be setting the the outline and the strategy, and then uh, handing off to to uh, that writer, and then them handing off to a designer, or them working in collaboration, and then it going back to you for edits, then actually like going up for for staging. So that that's like probably a, an oversimplified version, but but really like planning that out and probably putting that in a project management system. So any tips on on project management systems or best ways to to communicate when there's multiple people working on one piece? Yeah, just one quick add to that. I would I would say too like I knew Google was my distribution channel. And so if if you're going to distribute like in another form, you probably need like another person for that because it's not as like simplified as as Google is. So so just one note on that. As far as like the process goes, like uh, we use Trello. I used to work at ClickUp. Like both are great tools. I've used Asana before on this. And again, it's just like putting due dates on on each stage of the process, like thinking through. But also like I would give you know talk to individual writers about like hey how long is this going to take you kind of you know, fit my calendar from there. I don't have a perfect calendar, but what, what I did have was like, I was just going to publish when it was ready. So if a piece was ready, I was, I was going to hit publish. I, I didn't have like a certain date that I had to publish on. And so, you know, it's Friday afternoon and I've published like three posts before, like a Friday afternoon. I've done that like several times. And so to me, the most important part was just like getting those pieces in place. So I had a lot of internal deadlines. And then my big external deadline was like 50 posts by the end of the quarter. So I wasn't publishing 50 at the end of the quarter. I was working up to that number. And so I would just say like consistency was just really important and just kind of moving that forward, moving each step of the process. So you really have to check 
Trello, Asana, whatever, to see like what dates you have, see if those are reasonable dates and just, you know, have that end goal in mind as you're, as you're planning that out. Yeah. I'm glad that you called out focus specifically too, because again, like this, this whole thing is about content, specifically SEO content for seed stage companies. If you're a seed seed stage company, you don't have the resources to, to win on multiple channels, probably like you, you are going to be better off with just winning and choosing like one channel and being hyper-focused there. And that, that is like the heart, the hardest lesson to, to learn and, and relearn is just not getting distracted because other teams are going to be doing like other fun things and, and you're going to have FOMO. You're going to want to do those things, but right. just knowing like what your strengths are as, as an individual and then as, as a team uh, and what, you know, your leadership, like want, how they want you to approach things and making sure you guys are all on, on the same page. Once you have that, it's just, shipping and i think was was kind of where you ended on is you don't wait for the content calendar like you you set those deadlines you make sure you hit those deadlines and if you come in before those deadlines on on some pieces like you just press publish because why not and again that goes back to like seed stage company you need those results faster like why why delay results and and i think that's a good point as well Yeah. One quick note on that is like, I read a really great book. It's called like 10X Content Marketing. I think it's by the team at uh, CoSchedule, this guy, Garrett Moon. And he talked about, especially as like writers, we can just get really concerned about every grammatical detail and like every period being like in the right place. And he was, he's really big on just like shipping at like that 85% to 90. And so I don't have a large content team right now, but if a writer came to me and they were like, hey, I have this idea, okay, what are, does it meet these certain keyword things? Like maybe what's the outline? And then just like let them do it and just like let them publish it. And as long as they're not like, you know, have a lot of like crazy stuff in there, like it's probably gonna be fine. And if something's wrong, then I'll just like kind of correct it as we go along. And so having that trust in your team just to like ship and build, I think is like really important. And, and especially if you're just doing kind of like blog digital type stuff, like you can take it down, you can edit it, you can change it, you can resubmit it to Google. And so that's a real advantage that we have compared to like 20 years ago where like the postcard mailer had to be like perfect before going out. And so just kind of freeing yourself and letting yourself kind of do those things is, is important. Obviously, as your brand gains more importance. Sometimes that's a little bit harder to do, but especially in that seed stage, you can, you can just ship a lot more. And then if, you know, there's a weird paragraph, there's a weird sentence, the images don't quite align. You can kind of like go back and fix that in post with, with like really no issues because your post probably isn't, at least in my stages, your post probably isn't ranking like right away anyway. So it's okay if you have a couple of those fixes, it's okay if you add on a few things a little bit later to, to optimize it and to help it along. So I would just encourage people to kind of just have that ship first, publish first type mindset. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really smart. And a really nice thing to, to end on is doing the the front end work on the strategy side of aligning your content with where people are, what they're looking for, what jobs like they need to get done, have like having that be where like the bulk of the work is and like the time is then like, it, it almost like ensures that the that the content is good. And that it's like the type of content that people are looking for and getting hung up on on grammar and like the smaller things like you said it's it's digital you you can't fix it later i don't i don't know that i've ever like put out a post that didn't have like any 
like any right. errors at all or any format problems. Right. And so, so knowing that it's not going to be perfect and like, that's not going to be the reason that people don't convert. Right. Is like the lack of, of a pair, like the lack of a, a comma and is, is a really good way of like framing it because that, that is your ultimate goal. Right. Is like is getting results from the content and not getting like praise on, on how nicely formatted the content was. Right. right. So, so yeah, then uh, to kind of sum up, like, what are the challenges for for content marketers trying to launch an, an SEO content program at a seed stage company? And what advice would you give them? Yeah, I mean, we've touched on this throughout, but I mean, I think time is is really a difficult balance when you're dealing with like SEO and content marketing. And so it really it does take time to rank. I'm not I'm not going to lie. Like there are things you can do a little bit faster. I'm not doing like black hat stuff, but like having that plan, having that experience helps you rank faster. Like I'm, I'm ranking a lot faster than I was like three or four years ago for, for similar posts and stuff because I know a little bit more what I'm doing. So you just have to like build that in. It's like, this is a strategy you choose. Like it'll definitely be a four to six to eight month road before you start seeing some of those results. But once you have it, it is evergreen. It is compounding. It, it starts to come in. You make that one-time investment and then it pays off for a longer time instead of just like a, a viral uh, social media post or, or something like that. So, um, you know, keep that in mind and, and have that understanding as, as you're building it out. Make sure you have the runway for that. Make sure you are aligned. Some companies may not have that luxury. And, and so that's, that's a really important consideration. I think the other challenge is like, yeah, I mean, you're not going to be able to do every project you want. You may not get to build the great tool that, that you want that, you know, would, would be groundbreaking. And so you do have to kind of think about what are some of the initial steps, get some traction, get in product market fit, what's not a hard lift, and then kind of build up from there. And so, so the way I've done that is like, I wrote posts myself, saw some traction, saw some interest, got, you know, approval to, to, to hire more freelancers, to hire more people, to hire more resources, and then saw some more results. Now I'm starting to move up into the top of the funnel. Now we're trying to experiment more. Now we're putting more dev resources on, on some marketing things. And so it is just understanding like what stage you're in, what season you're in, meeting those goals, and then expand on it. Like you might have a lot of great ideas. You can't do all of that at once. It's just like that focus. So when I was doing those 50 pieces in, in Q2, I knew we had to expand our footprint. I'm not doing 50 pieces like in this quarter right now. I'm still doing pieces, but I met that goal. I'm adding on to it. And so it's just recognizing like, hey, what is the stage that you're in? And, and then adjusting your expectations accordingly. Yeah, I think I think that's great. It's a great like playbook for for people looking to kind of replicate your success. And so the last thing is just where can where can people go to find out more about you and Friday? Yeah, sure. You can check us out at friday.app. It's a planner and async operating system for remote teams. And then yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and then I blog sometimes at growthcontent.io. And I have some posts there. I do a little bit of consulting and such. So if you're interested, you could also check that out. Nice. Well, thank you again, Josh, for, for being on the show. It's always always great to talk to you. I always learn something new. So I uh, hope uh, the listeners did as well. I think they did. So we'll talk soon. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to Content Logistics. This episode is produced by Motion, a done-for-you B2B podcasting agency for busy marketers. If you liked what you heard, please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.